This is a GRDC podcast. Western Australian grain growers face a lot of constraints when it comes to the soils they work to grow the grain we demand. Hello, I'm Tony Crowley. In this podcast, we'll look back at the recently concluded Soil Constraints West project, a GRDC investment over five years to improve soil structure and health, thereby lifting productivity and growers' profitability. Leader of the Subsoil Constraints component of the project is David Hall from the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development's Esperance Office. David told me that when he talks to budding soil scientists about subsoil constraints, he likes to set the scene this way. When Charles Darwin came through Albany Harbour in 1836, he described the landscape as sort of green, shrubby vegetation, very sandy, and he never wanted to walk in this country ever again. That's how poor the soils were. That's how poor the countryside is. Now, if you start looking at our our sandy soils, our pale deep sands, we're growing crops over five tonnes. In some areas, we're getting paddock averages of six tonnes per hectare of grain. There has been an enormous improvement through a variety of reasons, but certainly soil management has been one of the major ones. Let's take an overview of the situation in Western Australia. What are the major soil constraints? It's probably easier if we group the soils. And so if we start looking at the deep sands and gravels, you you can look at a suite of um, constraints, starting off with non-wetting at the surface, uh, subsoil acidity, uh, probably at about Uh, 20 centimetres into the profile and then um, our gravels and deep sands also compact very hard so we've we've got major issues with compaction in those soils. Um, If you then go on to the shallow duplex soils uh, we've probably got non-wetting and acidity at the surface but then we get into these highly sodic uh, clays which can be quite dispersive and which prevent water from getting into the uh, deep profile. Um, and then the, the clay soils, uh, which we find mainly in the eastern wheat belt, um, they, can have, they can be very sodic, uh, issues with transient salinity and also in boron toxicity. So when you look at all those things, it's, uh, in Western Australia we've got some major issues with um, subsoil constraints. And what area of um, the cropping country in WA are we talking about here in terms of hectares? Yeah, we're really looking at very large areas. If we take uh, subsoil um, acidity, for instance, we're probably talking about 70% of the total area um, has pHs below uh, 5. Compaction, once again, we're looking at very large areas. Probably about 75% of the soils have uh, moderate to high um, compaction potential. Um, Sodicity, probably a bit lower, about 40% of the soils, and transient salinity, about 12%. And if you add up all those percentages, you'll see that it comes to far more than 100%, which really means that a lot of our soils have multiple constraints. Our growers in in WA, like probably the rest of the nation, are highly innovative, um, and quite often um, the solutions which we're researching have come from you know, sort of uh, grower innovations or grower ideas and um, our, our role is to really test those ideas and, um, and put some dollars around them. 
So what has been tested um, over the past five years? With Deep Sands, uh, we've uh, done a lot of work on non-wetting at the surface, uh, mainly through inversion tillage and also claying. Um, and because there's a, a quite an emphasis on you know, sort of inversion tillage, this has also allowed us to start looking at the deeper incorporation of materials, in particular lime or liming materials, um, which can either reduce aluminium toxicity or increase the pH of the subsoils. Um, also in the deep sands, we've been looking at um, um, deeper tillage and perhaps improved ways of um, being able to break open or fracture those, um, those deep um, plough layers. We're probably a little bit more aware of the diagnostics for doing that and being able to identify where those limitations are in the profile. And that really is the starting point, I guess, with a lot of the amelioration practice to get the diagnostics done so that you know where the areas are that you can target. That's correct, and, and diagnostics are, are, are just so important. Um, when we start, you know, sort of uh, identifying issues, the first thing which we really, really look at is what's the yield gap? What's the potential for a given season in terms of yield and what's the farmer achieving? And if it's less than about 70% of potential, uh, then the farmer knows that there's an issue and um, at that sort of level, it, it's usually profitable for a farmer to start, you know, sort of working out um, you know, sort of a management system. Um, the diagnostics we look at, uh, you know, sort of range from, you know, looking at plants, uh, their root systems, seeing where they're getting to in the profile, um, and also using, you know, equipment like penetrometers to assess where that compaction layer is in the profile, um, through to using mid-season NDVI um, near infrared, um, to work out how well the crops are growing in mid-season compared to what yields they're getting at the end of the season. And if you're finding that the crops are growing really well in the mid-season, um, but um, they yield poorly at the end, there's a good indication that the roots of runner are not getting into the profile deep enough and uh, they're just running out of moisture and nutrients. Tell us more about what you are specifically doing. The three areas that we've been working on one is to try and improve our, um, our mapping, in other words, to be able to identify where constraints are most likely to be in a given landscape. Now, most of our mapping to date has been very broad scale. We might find that there's only one or two soil units across a whole farm. And the mapping which we've been able to do brings that down to almost a paddock scale. Now, we haven't... Uh, the, the work which we've been doing is still fairly coarse. It can group soils into texture classes so that we know whether it's a deep sand or a shallow duplex or a, or a gravel. But quite often that's um, enough for a farmer to know what sort of constraints are likely to be associated with those soils. So Yvette Oliver at Syro and Karen Holmes in Deepherd have been working on this and have come up with some fantastic products. Um, some of the work which we've also been doing is identifying or improving our ability to identify what soils are gypsum responsive or unresponsive. Over the years we've run a number of, uh, a lot of trials um, uh, with gypsum 
And when we look at the results from those trials, we probably find that uh, they've only been gypsum responsive, and that's improving grain yield significantly um, in about 50% of the um, times. And so we've gone through the, the data sets to try and improve our ability to sort of say these soil characteristics are aligned with a gypsum responsive soil and these um, uh, soil parameters are more aligned with an unresponsive soil. The products which we're coming up with to define what a gypsum responsive and un unresponsive soils are really um, using soil chemistry a little bit more to define what ranges we're likely to see um, responses and, and not. And so um, exchangeable sodium percentage is probably the best indicator we have of, um, of what is likely to be a gypsum responsive and unresponsive. So soils with an average ESP or exchangeable sodium percentage of 10 to 15 in the top so in the 0 to 30 centimetre layer are most likely to respond to, um, uh, to gypsum. Um, to, to reduce um, dispersion. Uh, the stability index, which is uh, also used by us and CSBP, is also a, a pretty good indicator of um, gypsum response, particularly where it's below zero. We've worked closely with growers, um, particularly in terms of uh, tillage and lime applications, uh, particularly on some of the um, acid wadule soils which are found in the eastern wheat belt and so these soils have traditionally been uh, very poor in terms of their production levels um, but having a systems approach which is uh, developed by Tony Murphy and Jeff Fosbury and uh, uh, there's been probably about 20% yield increase from the combination of tillage and lime on those soils. And once again, that's, that's really come about from uh, growers and their consultants um, developing a system which uh, then we've been able to, to test in the field. And how much of everything that you've been analysing and producing over these past five years is applicable right across the country? There, there are a lot of similarities um, between WA soils and parts of South Australia, particularly the Eyre Peninsula, and uh, the Victorian Mallee. So there's uh, transferability, um, particularly in terms of the deep ripping and inversion tillage associated with sands. Um, that's highly um, transferable. Um, gypsum responsiveness, we're seeing um, uh, some similarities between our uh, Queensland, uh, our numbers, and also uh, Queensland and northern New South Wales. And uh, the mapping which has come out of uh, the joint work between CSIRO and DPIRD, um, I think that's universally transferable. What would you say gives you the greatest thrill out of what's happened uh, through this research project? Um, what would you see as the, the major outcomes are the most important in your eyes? We've had a phenomenal response from growers, particularly in attendance to field days and the presentations which we've, we've made. And we can literally say thousands of uh, growers, consultants, researchers have, have attended these presentations. Um, it's been mind-blowing from our perspective to, to know that um, people really want to know how to manage their soils more 
um, productively and profitably. If we just look at some of the work which we've been done doing on inversion tillage and, and deep tillage, um, the inversion tillage treatments which we've had on our experiments running six years have increased profits by between $500 and $700 per hectare, uh, which is a phenomenal result. Uh, if we look at other sites, we, we're generally getting about a 20% yield increase from deep ripping uh, across the, the deep sands. And even when we start looking at uh, some of the responses to, to lime on the wadule soils, um, once again, we're seeing responses of greater than 20%. So there is a legacy. Um, we feel as though, you know, from the suite of projects that we've been involved with, that um, there have been some amazing outcomes with really good cooperation between the growers, consultants and us researchers. David Hall, a senior researcher with DPIRT and leader of the Subsoils Project within the Soil Constraints West Project. And GRDC recently announced a new $42 million partnership with DPIRT to further unlock the potential of WA's challenging soils. Another $6 million will be jointly invested in three exploratory projects aimed at boosting oat, canola, lupin and pulse production for WA grain growers. I'm Tony Crowley and you've been listening to a GRDC podcast. <laughs>